All right, y'all. This is the episode that a lot of you've been waiting for. I've had a lot of people ask me, when's the Corporate Bro episode coming out? When are we going to get the scoop on this? You got to interview Corporate Bro. Well, here it is. Corporate Bro, also known as Ross. This will be the most in-depth, personal, and transparent interview that I believe Ross has ever done. I've listened to the most of the interviews that he's done, and we went so deep. So if you've ever wanted to know who is Ross, this is it. So for the majority of you that listen to this podcast, you're all sales professionals mostly, and or you're business owners, but you probably have heard of Corporate Bro or Ross before and what the comedy that he does on Instagram and on LinkedIn. However, no one ever, no one knows the real Ross. And that was the whole goal of this podcast to figure out like, what do you actually do, right? What are you about? What are your goals? What's your aspirations? What upsets you, right? Who are you? So the theme of this episode was uncovering the layers of Ross. And you all see how long this episode is. We uncovered a lot of layers. This could have been a whole day conversation, to be honest. I, I did not want to stop recording, to be honest. And just stay tuned. There will be a part two. Some of you will probably message me like, oh, Morgan, this could be a part. It's going to be a part two. This is easily one of the, my favorite interviews I've done on this podcast. And I've enjoyed every single conversation, but this one was easily my favorite for a lot of factors that we just don't know a lot about Ross. You know, I've hung out with him before, but he really opened up and, and shared his story with us. And this is going to be a very rare conversation. And I really want you all to listen to it all the way through. It, it, I would treat it like a movie. Maybe you got to go get up and take a break and you got to do this in parts. And it will be broken up into parts into checkpoints for you. So you you know when to take a break because there is a lot here. However, I want you all to absorb this and take the moment to really understand Ross. And I promise you, if you listen all the way through, you have more respect for Corporal and Ross than you had before. I have more respect for Ross than than, than I ever could imagine at this point. And he's always someone that I'm I'm going to always respect just based on what he's told me in this interview and, and what how we've communicated moving forward. So I would encourage you to take out your notepads on this one because we talk a lot about process. He breaks down his process on how does he write all this 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 comedy. He actually gives it to us. He tells us his his story on how he created Corporate Bro and what were some blockers for him. How did he actually go get his MBA at at Stanford? What was the story around that? He also tells us how video games are released for him so you know i was a huge fan of that we we, we kind of nerded and geek, geeked out there for a little bit so all for your gamers in here you better pay attention to the end because it's, it's all gonna be there for you and we also talk about his his physical workout so ross is out here working out i think people think oh you're not doing anything he's actually out here so he actually gives us his plan on how he works out and how you can do it as well if you're in sales so as always here y'all know what i'm gonna say if you find value in this absolutely tag me at morgan j ingram share it on your story tag at one formula and also show some love to corporate bro at corporate bro and message him and tell him how much you've enjoyed this interview he would greatly appreciate that if you listen all the way through like hit him up and be like i listened to that one formula interview it was crazy thanks so much for sharing and being open with the audience and then also as well if you find value in what you heard on this episode leave us a five-star review that helps us increase our rankings here on apple so we can continuously getting in front of more people in the audience so appreciate y'all this one will not disappoint and enjoy real quick 
I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lessonly, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment. So it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's Lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. We did an interview, I think it was back in 2017 and for the SCR Chronicles. And I had no idea what to expect. We had like no prior relationship at all. I, I, had, no, I had no idea. And it ended up being probably one of the best interviews on our podcast. And ironically enough, Ross, someone actually hit me up like three days ago and they were like, yo, nuggets everywhere. And I was like, yo, that was literally four years ago. <laughs> nugs on nugs, baby. I'm all about that nug life. Right? So uh, just a quick intro if you don't have no idea who uh, Corporate Bro is or, or Ross here. Uh, he has got an Instagram and recently got verified. I think it was a, maybe a month ago? A couple weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, a couple, couple months ago, right around the uh, the old bar stool controversy. Yep. Yep. So shout out to that. That was that was awesome to see that. And basically the comedy of sales, like what we go through in sales. And if you're in sales, you get it. Or if you're not in sales, you just don't get it. But if you're in sales, you'll you'll definitely laugh on it. I've definitely watched a ton of the pieces of that content. And also as well, uh, started off at Oracle. So <laughs> that's a whole that's yep. a story in itself. Your boy uh, bled on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, the real talk on that one. And then also was account executive at Glassdoor. And most people don't know this about you, but got your MBA at Stanford. I did. I did. Just graduated uh, 2020. Yeah. So very recently. So, I mean, a, a lot of great stuff that he's doing in terms of content creation with Corporate Bro. And check him out on Instagram there. It's at Corporate Bro. Post is on LinkedIn too. And currently, that's kind of what's leading into my question here is currently, what is your day to day? The people want to know, are you still in sales? Like what, what is Ross doing? Yeah, man. What is my day? So I usually am up around seven 30, you know, some people are like, that's not early enough. Some people are like, <laughs> you know, dude, you don't do shit. Um, but so I have a full-time job. It is with a company called bravado, uh, basically building out a sales community. You know, I've, I'm kind of, I'm on the growth side. I'm on the product side. Uh, I kind of started out kind of doing the product vision, building out what I, what I thought salespeople would like, what they would want. Mm. Um, we have since hired a, a head of product, much more engineering focused than, than I, as I have no hard skills at all. Um, who, and she's taken over actually kind of like interfacing with the product team, but I still obviously come with like the ideas and what, what should we build? And then she takes it into execution. Yep. So I wake up, wake up. I kind of go check Slack, go check the war room. It's called the war room. Um, if you're in sales, you know, you should definitely check it out. Uh, it's you, it, the simplest way to think about it is it's like, it's like a subreddit uh, specifically for sales, but we have the ability to build on top of it. So the content distribution is very similar with an upvote downvote system, except for 
In this case, when you share content, you can earn what we call commission. Woo, how do we think of that way? Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's gamified, it's very gamified. So you can earn badges, you can earn commission, which you can then spend on cool shit, whether it's like Amazon gift cards or a Rolex or a trip to Hawaii, things like that. We're mm-hmm. building a bunch of other stuff on top of it, um, kind of career tracking stuff, mentorship stuff, uh, of really cool events. And so, you know, we're trying to make it the one-stop shop for if you're someone who's new to sales, like, where do I go? I, you know, there's all these different folks out yep. there who are good. Um, and this is kind of a place to aggregate all the best of. So that's what I'm working on. That's what I spend the majority of my like seven to noonish working on. Yep. I'm still technically don't tell them something I'm supposed to be working. It's, it's technically my full-time job, but in between, you know, I'll speak at a company SKO okay. uh, as, as corporate bro. Uh, I will spend a lot of time writing. I mean, most of my writing happens at night. I usually go better on one. Um, so I tend to write from like 1030 to one ish each day. And that's all corporate bro. Or is that for other things too? It will be primarily for corporate bro. I mean, it may be like working on a TV series, which is what I've been working on. I'm trying to do like a six episode series. It may be go to TV. It may just go to YouTube, but either way I'm going to make it. Um, or I may be working on like companies hit me up around internal videos, I may be writing, you know, for a uh, tech conference. I may be writing yep. a speech for that. There's just a lot of writing that happens. So that's typically my day is, and then somewhere in there, I'll Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, I know, I know you're hitting the Peloton at, the, at some point, right? <laughs> I mean, our gyms aren't open. So, you know, I, your boy can't go move, uh, move heavy objects like he'd like to. So you're not, you're not Atlanta where it's open season. You know, we, we can go anywhere. No, <laughs> I know. I'm jealous of that. Like we're getting close, but I'm pretty sure I'm last in line for the vaccine at this point. So I'm about as non-essential as they get. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, dog. No, <laughs> no. I'm That's like 30 millionth in line. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 you know, we, we might give it to you. Yeah, it's like a TBD on whether or not, like I'm going to have to go steal it from someone or like just go to Walgreens, like rob a Walgreens with the vaccine. It's oh, good gosh. shit. Yeah, I got to uh, go to the back corner. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, I am not essential. So I'm just kind of chilling. Uh, spend most of my t- most of my days inside, unfortunately. Okay, so you mentioned non-essential. And I have to ask this question because some people might be wondering it. So you got an MBA, but what is the purpose of the MBA for you if you are going towards this TV comedian route? Yeah, it's a great question. And I guess one of the things I did leave out is I do a lot of advising and consulting for small small stage startups, um, kind of series zero to like five million revenue. Okay. Um, whether it is unfortunately the M word marketing or <laughs> sales, uh, sales and content and brand strategy and things like that. Um, as for the MBA, you know, it's interesting because I had this weird choice where I could go to, I got into second city, which is like a famous improv kind of group in um, Chicago. They have one in mm-hmm. LA too. It's where a lot of the comedy, like early SNL greats came through uh, the Tina Fey's and Steve Carell's and like, you know, if you go to look at their roster, it's, it, it used to be the only way to get on SNL and like get into the comedy game, yep. kind of pre-internet. Um, so I was either going to go there and I was like, well, if I get into Stanford, maybe I'll go there. And I got into Stanford and I was like, well, fuck, now I have this weird choice. Like I'm not just choosing between business schools. I'm kind of choosing between career paths. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I called Second City and they were like, dude, go to Stanford. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> they made it pretty easy for me. And, and, and like the advantage I had was like, I already had corporate bro. Like I was working on it. I knew if I went to second city in Chicago, I was probably not going to get to keep working on it. You know, I was going to be around people. One of my issues has always been like in San Francisco, there's not a ton of creators and creatives, yep. you know, it's, it's really LA and New York and Chicago. And I was like, well, at least if I go to Chicago, I'll be around the people I want to be around, but I'll probably have to stop corporate bro. But then the other thinking was, well, Stanford actually has like, they have something called the show, which is basically a massive theater production, like $60,000, but like big old yep. budget, like theater production. I can still do creative stuff. A lot of people there worked at, you know, Netflix and Hulu, but obviously like all on the business side. So I kind of was thinking, well, Stanford will open a lot of doors and it will also raise my floor, you know, yep. as who I am as a person. Like I, I will always have the Stanford MBA, which is cool and great. And part of it was like, the reason I got the MBA in the first place is, you know, not like the best of, like the reason I started applying and like studying and doing tutors and I took the GMAT five fucking times. Like I put my head down for six months and just was grinding on it. Yep. Was I was like sick of being like not taken seriously, especially like when you do the comedy stuff, like yep. on like the surface, be like, Oh, look at the class clown. Like he's an idiot. He's just funny. Cause like he's dumb and like, he's willing to like be out there and do weird yeah. shit. And I was like, fuck that. Like I'm sick of being around people who I think I'm smarter than, so I had this weird, like kind of angry chip on my shoulder. In fact, like yeah. I started studying at work just like as a fuck you. Like as soon as work was done, I go into a conference room, like get on my tutor and just like, yeah, I'm in here right now at work and I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, fuck all of you here. Um, yeah. And that was like the weird, like the motivation was like, I felt like I needed to add more credibility to who I was. Cause now it's like, you know, these companies reach out to me. They're like, Hey, we want you to come speak. Oh, do you have like references? Do you like do this? Like, we're scared. You're going to like say something. And I'm like, did I mention I went to Stanford business school and they're like, Oh shit. Oh, okay. So you're not just like an asshole with a phone and a camera. Like just, yeah. They didn't realize like how intentional everything, like all the dumb shit I do is like intentional. Like I love yeah. improv stuff. I'm like, that stuff is obviously improv is improv, but like yes, everything I've done, like in terms of content, in terms of like who you see me as like on resume, my personal brand, all that stuff has like been so intentional, you know? And I, I kind of like, what do I want people to describe me as? And it's like, so the MBA in that regard just gave me a ton of credibility. Yeah. That I like, it's just, it's like, it knocks down a lot of doors. And then like, just the fact of like going to Stanford and being around some of these people, like 45% of our class or something was international. Like I, I was around some of the smartest people in the world. And I'm like, why am I, why am I here? Well, the advantage for me was like, I was the only salesperson in the entire class. Now everybody comes to me, these folks who are starting companies, like, what do I do? <laughs> Shit, I got to sell, I'm the CEO. Yeah, motherfucker, you got to yeah. sell. That's what you do as a CEO. You are the, the first company salesperson. You, you are the first salesperson. So they're like, well, how do I run sales calls? And I'm like, step into my office, friend. Like, Come here. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, that's like a cool thing to get to do. But I now straddle this line of like business and comedy, uh, which is really cool and fun. And like, I do like solving business problems. I do like playing in this world. But at the same time, like if I could, if push came to shove and like, HBO was like, Hey, you want to come play a role in this show? I'd be like, all right, deuces. I'm out. Yes. Immediately hard. Yeah. Yes. I'll do it for free. You know, like that's where I like creativity and, and acting and writing is like where I want to be if I can. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate you sharing that because I can totally see that where you see this character that you have and people can't, people don't know you. So they feel like they're talking to the character, but they don't associate with you as Ross. Right. Right. And it's like trying to get understanding, like, who is the real Ross? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm intentional. 
I got an MBA at Stanford. Like you don't just randomly get those. <laughs> they're not they're not handing them out on the street. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know? I, I like I heard a story and like this is like another Ross, the guy uh, Michael Schwimmer who plays Ross from Friends. Mm. You know, I can't. I had a friend like a couple of years back tell me they like went up to him. Maybe I heard. I don't know where I heard this story. It was either a friend or I, maybe yeah. I heard it like a talk thing. Whatever. Basically, someone was like, "Hey, like, like you're Ross from Friends," and he was like, "No, I'm the guy who plays Ross from Friends." And like, that's an important distinction because like, mm. you know, th that's what people see, right? They see the character, just like you said, it's like, that's what they expect. People see me on the street. They're like, Corp, like, let's do a shot. And I'm like, <laughs> it's 9 a.m. Motherfucker. Like, no, like, I just want some coffee. I'm wearing Relax. sweatpants. I'm still hung over. Like thought of another yeah. shot sounds awful. And it's like trying to build and expand out of like corporate bro to becoming like Ross, the guy who plays corporate bro versus like just being corporate bro like i love yeah. corporate. i love being called corporate. like i have no issue with any of that stuff but it's just like when you step back from all of it you mm -hmm. know there is like i want ross to be a thing yeah that isn't just corporate bro you know but yeah. I, again we talked about this even before we started recording it's just like who do you want to be and like where do you go back to the well in terms of the views and where people know you from like that's my thing right now so mm -hmm. in the long run i'm hoping that like as i mesh the two brands together or extract Ross out of corporate bro, which is mm -hmm. why like I'm on LinkedIn as Ross in a big way. Like the guy who plays corporate, cause then people can kind of see and they're like, Oh yeah, right, there's more here. So that's why yeah. I do that. No, I mean that all, that all makes a lot of sense. And you know, before we get into the three questions we ask people as they come into the interview, I want to, I want to dig a little bit more into that, that corporate bro piece. And quickly, if you want to tell us what inspired corporate bro and then now that you want to get out of that and do these other things as Ross, do you do you feel like it's now a weight on you that you can't pivot from? Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with how I started. Corporate yeah. I mean, you mentioned I come from Oracle. That's where it all started for me. Mm -hmm. Thrown into the fires in business development. Didn't know what the fuck that meant. Turned out it meant cold calling. I was like, look at this ridiculous world. I was working in a building called Twin Dolphin, Oracle HQ, across the street from all the beautiful, like you see the Oracle campus when you drive down 101, you're like, yeah. damn, that's pretty. <laughs> Salespeople don't work in those buildings. They work in the shithole across the street. Yep. And so I was in this building basically with several thousand sales folks, 20 to 40 years old. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Because, you know, Jennifer over there, just got blacked out of Coachella last weekend and got arrested. And this week <laughs> she's closing like a $10 million deal with the CEO of AT&T. Like, like, and nobody's clothes fit. It's just like, all of us are doing business. Like we're just out here doing business and we don't even understand what we're selling. Yeah. Like Oracle, highly technical products. So I was like, I literally looked at my buddy. I was like, dude, everyone here is a corporate bro. And this is before the word bro, like the bro culture, synonymous. Yeah. Bro culture, like synonymous with like misogyny and shit like that. Yeah. I, was like, I meant that as a non-gendered statement. Like, like a lot of the women I worked with were like, yeah, we're bros. Like that was just like, everyone was just kind of bros. It was like, we're all just lost trying to figure it out. Yeah. So I started making vines there. That's where it all started. And I just started making vines, turned them to Instagram. Instagram kind of got bigger. You know, after about a year, I started realizing I had traction with people who aren't my friends mm -hmm. because I was like, you know, I've always been kind of the funny weirdo in my friend group. That's like how I fit in. That was my piece of the puzzle. Yep. I started to realize that you didn't need to know Ross. It wasn't like, oh, that's funny because it's Ross and he's a weirdo. It's like, oh, it's funny because that's that's true. That's like the life I live. And so that's when I realized it could become a thing. So, you know, put out a video every week for five or six years was like the goal. That's like a really long time when I think about it. Um, but your second question and make sure I'm answering it was, do I feel pigeonholed in there? 
Yeah. Do you feel pigeonholed? And then do you feel like that weight that now you're a corporate bro and people see you as that and you can't be that Ross that you want to be? Yeah. I mean, man, yeah, I feel like a massive, I feel a couple of things. I feel the weight of like needing to be corporate bro, but I feel like also just the weight of, I just hate letting people down. Yeah. And it's like, I just want my content to be good. And I like you, you get into these places where it just becomes a grind and you're like, you're not putting out your best shit, but you just need to put something out because something's better than nothing. And like, while I do enjoy making content, that's why I did it in the first place. I never started. Cause I was like, I want to be an influencer. Like God, yeah. no, I never started like that. Um, I don't believe I could have got here if that was like my mentality. I just enjoy the creative process. I, I just feel like I want to do bigger things than creating one minute sketch content every week that like, you know, I spend eight to 12 hours on a video. People make their opinions on my videos in five to seven seconds, whether they like it, whether they're going to give me a full minute mm -hmm. of their lives. Like, and that's fine. Like that's the game. That's like the trade-off you make. But at the same time, like I want to make a TV show. I want to do bigger things. Like I want to like put something together and with a, if I had the time and resources and like make a, a show about sales. Cause like there is still a big part of me, like sales is where I come from. Sales yep. is like the ground, like sales is what it's DNA. I am. Yeah. It's the DNA. And like salespeople get so much shit. And like, I want to put salespeople on the map and I want to build a show around the truth of what modern sales is. It's not Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's not like, it, it's not like these greasy old car salesmen, like doing sales. It's fucking millennials and Gen Z's who had no idea what the hell they were doing and stumbled into sales. Like, just the average person you see on the street, like San Francisco resident, New York resident, Austin resident, like Chicago resident, like they're in slinging software. Slinging software. <laughs> and there's like a reputable element to it, but it's also still like sales and people are like, ooh, sales. Like, so yeah. I want to put salespeople on the map. Like I still have that like drive to do that. But at the same time, it's like, I wish I could just shut everything else off. Like I wish the content would just handle itself and I could just like work on this show and make this show. But I would need to disappear for you know, four or five months to get it done. That's why it's just been like a, a grind every week, you know, for most nights to, to make. So yeah, I mean, I feel a heavy weight. It, it's tough sometimes. Like I'm in yeah. the middle of it right now of just the grind of like waking up, like what the fuck am I doing? Mm. Like this is supposed to be fun, you know? And you, and you have those moments. Like I had I, like a couple months ago, I, I had, and this is like a great problem. I was, I had like 14 or 15 speaking gigs in one week mm. and I was up so late every night, just like I try to write, you know, custom things for every company I talk to. And I took a shower at like 1.30 and I was like, I wanted to cry. But then I was having this moment. I was like, dude, like, this is what you wanted. Like you wanted this grind. You wanted this, like this, this life. You wanted mm -hmm. to like hustle for this. Like you, you could be stressed out about your quota right now, or you could be stressed out about the fact that you've got the opportunity to do a bunch of speaking shit. And so that's like, you have to have those moments of perspective where it's, to do what you want to do, like, it's not all going to be great. Like, it's not all going to be fun. Yeah. And so that that's the battle. That's the battles. Then you start doubting yourself and you start being like, well, am I doing the right things? It's like, truthfully, you probably are, mm. but it just doesn't feel like it because you're not seeing results in that moment. Yeah. And it's, it's going to pivot into the three questions here, but I want to give context for everyone is, you know, what Ross is dealing with and I've dealt with it myself is the growing pains, but I actually ironically enough, uh, Seth Godin, who we both were, were in that that sphere when we did the Sendosio event, uh, but he wrote a book called The Dip, and I don't know if you've ever read it or even heard of this concept. I was facing the same thing. I was like, like, whoa, what is going on? <laughs> like, back to back to back, you're waking up early, uh, you're staying up, and you're just like, what's happening? Like, this is what I asked for. 
this is the bed that I made. But you don't realize how much weight and how much energy it takes once you get there. Right. It's what you want, but you don't realize it because no one ever tells you what it feels like. They tell you what it, hey, this is cool, but they don't tell you what it feels like. And so in the dippy, Seth Godin talks about how basically you are facing a whole different level or gear of yourself. And as you turn those gears, it's all those growing pains. It's like you basically have if you were continuing to elevate your height or something like that, right? And so as you're facing it, you have all these things that are going on, uh, just as Ross is talking about. So no, this is a real thing that happens. But let's dive into like, how do you even handle this on a day-to-day basis? Because you said you're staying up late, you're customizing your talks for the sales kickoffs. And I want to dive into like one of those sales kickoffs because you mentioned a lot on Instagram, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about that one later. But the thing is, we ask guests three questions, right? Or the three things. What are the three things that you do outside of work and outside of corporate bro that helps you be successful? The three things I do outside of it. Um, man, I I mean, I have my time where I check out and like play video games. Um, mm. I smoke a bunch of weed. <laughs> I'm not advocating that, but I do it because <laughs> um, yep. I love it. Um, but I think like, for me, it's just sticking to a process that I have. Like, I know that still encompasses everything, but it's like making, making those slots important, you know, cause there's I, like, I even have slots where I just like are for nothing are for just like sitting there and like fucking laying on my floor and being like, why, like having my existential crisis, like just, I, I schedule those yeah. um, <laughs> into just like, I call it my being a little bitch time where I just need to go be a little bitch. <laughs> Yeah, and just like <laughs> this is so hard. Like, why is it like this? Like, when am I going to get my break? Um, because I need it. Because you stay turned, you stay like turned on for so long. If I don't, people think I'm an extrovert, and I'm just so not an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Like, I can flip the switch on and like you know banter with the best of them. But as soon as that shit's over and the lights are off and the doors close, like, I just want to like lay face down on the floor <laughs> 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 and just like lay there and do nothing. <laughs> You know, and That's I listen to their stellar soundtrack. So like, you know, the other piece is obviously like physical stuff. Like I'm, I'm an athlete, like played professional baseball. Like I need my athletic piece to, to do something. So right now it's golf for me or the Peloton sometimes, but like, I'm kind of getting over the Peloton. I just do it because I need to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, golf is like my new challenge, you know, athletically. So I have like a, a net in my garage. I'll just go hit balls into my net. Um, <laughs> that's like my thing that I can just take my mind off of everything else that like really doesn't matter in the world, but like I can still apply process and technique and like mm. focus to it. And it just takes me out of the, the rest of my context. Like the, the, the whole other context, like it's all blends together. Corporate bro, like the war room speaking, advising work. That's all like, honestly, just some form of corporate bro mm. business shit. So yeah, those are kind of my things that I do, but it's, it's hard. It's because I don't have a lot of time to like do other shit. I just don't. Yeah. Like, I don't go out. I don't go party. I don't like travel. I just like I sit in this goddamn seat and I like stare at these screens and I try to make shit happen in them. Yeah, you and me both. I see. I see this <laughs> this screen like ninety percent of the yeah, day in this exact spot. <laughs> just like here we go then, again. Then you feel like a like an alien or a zombie when you see oh real people. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Run away. Don't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's it, it, it. this whole like thing is very, what they don't talk about is just like how 
lonely and like alienating it is. And mm-hmm. this isn't like, this isn't me. I'm not on here to be like, pity me. Like, that's just true. It's just what it yeah. is. Like there are a yeah. lot of times you're sitting there by yourself. Like the only way this happens is if I move it forward. There's no other way. I'm not going to go like take a break and someone's going to step up and write a few things, like do a mm-hmm. little bit of this. Like, no, it is only going to be, ha- is only going to happen based on my output. And that's one of the harder things too, is like when you're in that spot and you're just like, I don't want to do this. Sometimes you just still have to. Yeah. And that's a lot. It's more than, more than people think. It is. And I feel that hundred percent. And it goes into, I want to go to point two. I want to go to process first. And I have a question on that because what you're talking about here is you obviously have to keep going and keep creating. So you mentioned that you have a process for everything based on what you said so far. So what is your process to turn off? That's like not physical things like, because you feel like you always have to be on. Do you have an off? Yeah. I, I like, I have to admit like, I, this is something I really struggle with is like turning it off. Like, I don't know how to turn Mm -hmm. it off. Like I've never, this is like one of the things that happened to me at Glassdoor when I was like trying to make videos. It's like the antenna is always on. Like I wasn't, I'm like listening intently, but I'm not listening for like the purpose of whatever I'm listening to. I'm listening to pull out the nugget that I can then extrapolate into some sort of video, into some Mm -hmm. sort of comedy, into some sort of like shared experience that I can shed a light on, you know? So it's like, the ideas, they, they come at random times. It's like the shower, it's like in a car, it's like on a random zoom meeting. So like, I'm always trying to write shit down. Um, and it's really hard because one of the plights I feel, and I don't know if you feel this too, is like, if you're not doing something like you're falling behind, like, I always feel like I'm falling behind. Like I could be doing more. I could be doing more. I should be doing more. And it's like, you literally might not actually be able to do more. So in terms of turning it off, like I, maybe when I sleep, I guess, (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't know how, like, I, I, if you've got ideas for turning it off, like even still, it's like, like I said, smoke a bunch of weed. I go right back to writing. I go right back to like mm-hmm. scribbling shit down or like rereading a script or something. And that's just what yeah. I do. I struggle with this a lot. I don't even have the best answer on either. I've tried a couple of things and it's been slightly helpful, but I haven't figured it out. Like, I'll play, I'll be watching a movie and I'm like, that's a really good content piece. Right. No, that's, that's, <laughs> and I'll start right. My mom's like, what are you doing? He's like, no, nah, this is a good piece of content. She's like, what do you, what? I'll be playing a video game. And sometimes that is like the closest thing I can get to zoning out. But even then I'm like, this is a really good plot line. I think this relates to something in prospecting and I could talk up. I'm like, why, why, why am I doing that? Exactly. I, I, that's exactly what happens to me. It's a struggle, man. Like, no lie, like it is something that I, the only thing that I've been able to do is one, play, oh, playing video games. But the other thing is like, I've started to reset activities. So what I'll do is I literally, I will just leave my apartment and I won't bring my phone mm. and I'll just walk. And I'm, there's a park near me, so I'll just walk to the park. And so I don't have anything around me. I don't have any technology to take any notes. I don't bring anything to take notes. And I just, and I just let it just go away. That's the only, the only thing that's helped me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like I should do that. Like I live on a street that's like walk only and I should just yeah. like go walk it and come back. Like just go do something. Like I know a lot of people that met it. Like my mom swears by meditation. My sister does too. <sighs> it's like 10 that. minutes. It's like, I don't, it's like <laughs> as soon as I sit there for, te- sit, sit me there for 10 minutes and tell me, I'm not just going to sit there and like talk to myself and try to write a script in my head or like yeah. come up with the next idea. 
like I can't, yeah, the whole turning it off thing is so hard. Like even being present, even like I'm good at like finding myself being present and recognizing where I'm at, but like that presence is like, okay, you're here now. This is what you want. Like, this is what you're going to do. And this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. All right. Present dude, go write something. Like like (laughs) that's what ends up happening. So yeah, it's really hard. I wish I had, I wish I actually had an answer because the truth is I just don't, I don't really turn off. And maybe, maybe that is it. Like, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. Like, I don't think he ever turned it off. Like think think about Michael Jordan. Like he literally, he literally is always competing. (laughs) So maybe it's just a thing. Yeah. I I definitely think it is a thing. Um, And like, you know, there's always a trade-off with that type of thing. Like a lot of those hyper successful, like MJ, Kobe, like they were not well-rounded people. Like as much as their brands like to make them like Kobe is a goddamn asshole. Sorry. Love Kobe. Cried like a little baby. I never cried when like a celebrity passed away, but he was was the first time I ever did. Um, But Kobe wasn't like a good person most of the time, but the dude was hyper-focused on being the best. The dude put in like, you know, all the stories dudes in the gym at like 4am MJ, same thing, like after games, like that is a mentality, but there's a sacrifice that comes along with that. It's not for everyone. There's just a sacrifice you know? Um, and you just have to be okay with that. And like, personally, I am okay with that because I don't know what my alternative is really. If I wasn't okay with that, then things would be really bad. Um, so it's not the only way to get things done. Um, but it certainly is a good way to get really good at one thing. Kobe was a damn good basketball player. So was MJ obviously. And so I, I, I hope I can be fractionally as good as, as them at, <laughs> at what I do, <laughs> you know? Um, but it, again, it is a process. It's just a long, it's just a lot of small things that add up into, you know, that one thing that people quantify. Yeah. It does. And you, you've mentioned process a lot. So this is something I want to dive into. And you mentioned writing. So what is your process when you're writing up to 1 a.m.? How do you come up with these scripts? What are you doing? Honestly, it's a lot of acting like a crazy person where I just talk to myself. I like okay. talk out loud, like, cause you know, writing a script is a lot of like recording. Do you have like a recording when you do it? Or is it, you just really, you just talk out loud with no recording. I talk out loud with no recording. Okay. Cause then I'll be like, you know, I, I can like try to talk in different voices and I try to write how I talk, which is obviously how the better dialogue is written anyway. It's not like a five mm-hmm. paragraph essay or anything. Uh, but I try to build things. I try to like keep things very specific. So like even in a scene, like you, you ask like the questions, like what's the purpose of this scene? Like what's the status of each member of the scene? Like, where is this going to end? What's the punchline? And then I try to like work myself into those points. So like, I won't write a full episode. I can't write like a 22 minute episode in one sitting. It's like, I will stare at one scene for a while and I'll just like keep playing it out, keep playing it out. And it'll be like, I'll end up writing two or three scenes or something on a good night. Other times it'll be like three or four lines of a scene. And then I'll just be sitting there thinking like, why is this per- like, what is the backstory of this person that's going to make them do this thing? What is like the subcontext I want to give people based on this character's action or lack of action? And so, you know, I, I know what I'm going to work on each time I go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a lot of time the writing is, it's more literally me thinking more, more me sitting there trying to like craft it in my head going back and rereading another piece and being like, okay, how does this link to that piece? Going back to the character bios that I've like, you know, worked on with, with uh, some of my team to figure out who are these people. If you met them on the street, when, what, you know, what would inform that decision? And so 
you know, it, it is like, while it is writing, it is a lot of just like being frustrated and like, how do the puzzle pieces fit together? Got it. So if someone were listening in and they're like, I want to start building the brand or start doing sketch comedy like you, is that a recommendation to like think about it out loud and think about the feelings that they that you want them to feel after they watch the comedy skit and then also the feelings that they have for each character? Is that like your recommendation if someone wanted to start? I would say start even like more simple than that. Like the way okay. I started Corporate Bro, like back in the Vine days, it was only six seconds. So you weren't telling a story. It was like, it was always written in third person. It was like, Corporate Bro finds a lucky penny. Corporate Bro has a rough call. Corporate Bro goes to the park. It's like, okay, great. That's my premise. That's the whole thing here. So yep. what happens to Corporate Bro? So what happens to Corporate Bro with his lucky penny? Okay, here's the here's the status switch. The, the, the lucky penny is actually really unlucky. So he thinks he finds a lucky penny. Let's show him getting fucked over three different times and then throwing the penny into the ocean because fuck that penny. You know what I mean? Like, And so you kind of figure out what's the game inside the statement. And that's how I would like think about things. It's, you know, I, the reason I said three is like the law of threes is always good. Escalation. Yep. Key and Peele do a lot of good escalation stuff. It's like each step gets more and more absurd, more and more absurd. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden they're like in outer space. And it's like, you know, that's the whole point is like things get more and more ridiculous. So like in terms of comedy, like there's a lot of different kind of mechanisms you can play with. So-and-so is the powerful person at the beginning. And then it flips, you know, their boss comes in and all of a sudden they start acting like a, you know, a, a meager little biatch. And you see that person like suddenly who's berating somebody else switch statuses. Anyway, there's like a lot of ways you can do it. Um, yeah. But I think it just starts write a sentence, write one sentence. What is it? Just what is it? Then you can work on the nuance. You can figure out how you're going to get there. Oh, the corporate bro is like, he's blindly optimistic mm -hmm. and therefore is excited by this penny, but he's going to get screwed over by this penny, but he's still optimistic. So he does it a couple times until he realizes, okay, this is just not the penny for me. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah. that's kind of how i how i break it down and you can do that with scenes you can do that with an overarching episode episodes are like a little bit harder obviously you're like there's an a plot and a b plot mm -hmm. there's like a rhythm you know shorter stuff is a little easier to figure out the rhythm because you can just end on something punchy and it's like oh i didn't have to get so invested to like get to the end there and feel the payoff that's why obviously everybody's switching to short form content even though i'm trying to switch to long form content <laughs> <laughs> TikToks, reels, all that stuff. Exactly. All that shit is now being just pushed. YouTube's got its own like YouTube shorts. Shorts. Yeah. Yep. Like it's, yep. It's the thing now. It's into span. It's the thing. I've started even doing myself because I thought they'd be dumb. Actually, they're actually really fun to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm having a ton of fun doing them. And I think everything you're saying is spot on. Anyone can start doing that. I would probably say one of the best examples that is saved because it's the, one of the funniest videos that you've done is the uh, the most important quarter one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is the most important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's escalation at its finest. I oh, was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing. Like everybody's got the sales managers telling you this is the most important quarter ever. And it's like, of course, of course it is because it's this quarter and this quarter yeah. is the most important and it's never the most important. It just is. It just is. Here yep. now is the most important. Like that's the point. And like, exactly. Like that's the thing is like, let's make it about managers who just keep stressing that quarters are important. Okay. Let's escalate that. Where it's like this quarter is more important. This manager's just freaking out more and more and more. Yep. So like, you know, you take a little a kernel of truth, sales managers who think quarters are important. You figure out how to embellish it and, and blow it up and make it make a stupid little like single trait into like a sketch. Yep. You know, so that's what like the best do like the best find something very human and then try to make it a lot bigger than it is and really zero in, hold the microscope up to it and show everybody exactly like how absurd this little thing is. Oh my OMG. That's so funny because <laughs> it's me or it's because it's that person. And like, yep. that's how you can relate to people.
No, I, I think anyone could take that framework and use it in multiple ways. And I'm going to ask you this question, and then I'm going to flip to the physical part. So how does the comedy and selling that process, how do they come together? Yeah. And 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 base and base and the reason I ask that question is because I think a lot of people when they think of acting and comedy, they might be like, "Oh, that's its own thing." But there's so many parallels. So I want you to speak to that. I mean, yeah, you 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 let it in there perfectly. I mean, I always thought of myself as acting on sales calls. You know, people mm -hmm. have like their sales voice. They have their like whatever their <laughs> jokes. Like yeah. people have their phone voice, and it's like they they like, yeah, no, yeah, great, no, yeah, you have a wonderful day too. All right, <laughs> bye bye. Oh my fucking God, dude. She was such an asshole. Like, you know, like we all switch when the phone like gets hung up. So for me, it was always like, what's my performance? It was always a performance for me. Mm -hmm. And like the more jokes I could intertwine, like a little self-deprecation. I think I might've told you this on the SDR Chronicles, but I was like, you know, my, my line was always like, I know talking to a salesperson is somewhere between going to the dentist and jury duty. So I appreciate you giving me even like 15 minutes right now. And they're always like, <laughs> he's self-aware, like, you know, like self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he knows I'm miserable. All right. I like him. Like finding ways to disarm people is, you know, it, and it can be authentic. Like I, I know it, that's the case. Like I know talking to people, like taking unsolicited calls, like sucks, you know, yeah. we see a, an unknown number on our phone. We're like, Oh my God, like really again, another spam call. Anyway, I got to go crush my 80 dials. Exactly. Like, like, yeah, it's like, what? <laughs> like, are we, self-awareness is helpful here. Yep. Um, and so it is a performance. It is like a bit of improv. It is like, how do you, you know, get to the punchline? Like there's so many ways to get to your punchline or your, your value prop or whatever it is. And it's just like steering it there in your way. And my way just happened to be, you know, make it as, as funny as I possibly could. So people remember it. And it's a little bit, a little bit different. So, I mean, comedy selling, like acting, you know, one of the things I tell like SDRs is like, go act, like go, go, go create your persona. There was a funny post in the war room where someone was like, yeah, I have this name for myself when I'm doing cold calls. So like whenever someone, like whenever I get reamed on a call, I'm like, yeah, like Jonathan just got destroyed on that call today. That was hilarious. <laughs> it's like, he is Jonathan. His name's like Josh. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan got destroyed today. That was hilarious. Like somehow like cognitive dissonance just like keeps themselves like out of it. And you can look at yep. it like that. Cause at the end of the day, nobody else, like people you call even still don't give a shit that you call them, even if they're pissy in that moment, they, don't. they forget about you immediately. So you can make it fun. You should make it fun. It, it's like, it's like the super troopers thing where they're saying meow as many times as they can, like do that <laughs> shit, you know, maybe not as overt as that, but you know, something. Yeah. I know, I know getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor, JB Sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one-up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm still talking about sales. And I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So. 
people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing, telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20X more meetings, 2X on our cold call conversions and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. No, and, and that so one thing that we did when I was a well, I was an SCR and then an SR manager is we bought a toy bulldozer. And so what we did is we had a lot of people that would leave the pit and they would go make calls and rooms and stuff like that because they were afraid of just getting bulldozed on the phone. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's celebrate this. So Basically, when you got bulls on the phone, everybody would cheer for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's going to win this week. And so, like, at the end of the week, we would have, like, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and we would play the bulldozers and be like, oh, you got destroyed. You win the bulldozer of the week. And the bulldozer of the week could, you know, get you an opportunity to, like, you know, get lunch with someone or, or something of the nature. Yeah. So, it like, promoted a culture of, like, we're going to get our, our teeth kicked in, so we might as well make it fun here. Because right. if you don't, you're going to be miserable and you're going to want to jump out the window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you take it too seriously and too personally, yeah, you are going to have a very short life in sales. Um, I think that's great. Like c- celebrating getting rocked is like the best way to do it because it's just, ha- it's going to happen and it happens oh. a lot. And it's just like, it is funny. Like that's why corporate, like why I start, because everything we do is funny. Like if <laughs> sales is a tragedy, therefore it's a comedy. <laughs> like, yeah. So you might as well laugh at it because there's no other way. There's just no other way. No, my opinion. I mean, you're going to you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. So which which kind of goes into the next piece. And we talked about this when you interviewed me on your unsubscribe is is escapism. So, so now we're going to get to escapisms with the physical and the video games. But I want to go on the physical first, because one thing that I focus on is the reason why I have a personal trainer is I feel like if I'm going to be a coach or a trainer, Yes, I need to give you sales skills, but I also need to make sure that I'm I'm healthy, right? Yeah. Like I, it's, a, it's an unconscious thing, right? Because if I'm unhealthy and giving you sales advice, I think it doesn't bring the whole picture of being in sales. Because yes, you want to be good at sales, but you also need to be healthy. Otherwise, all this money you're making is going to be for not because you're not going to be able to do anything. So can right. you talk about what got you into physical activities and being consistent? And then tell us, I'm, tell us a little bit more about this Peloton that you got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was a baseball player. I played baseball, basketball, soccer growing up, um, and played a little professional baseball and so much of, I was a pitcher and so much of pitching is process is like, so I was a starter, which meant my entire week was built around one day. I played Mm -hmm. one day, my entire next week would be defined on how I did that day. So everything I did was about making sure I was ready, prepared, healthy, strong, good to go on that day. Like I knew the meals I was going to eat. I knew the amount of water I was going to drink. I knew like the electrolytes I was going to have to get the vitamins I was going to take. Like oh, serious. when I, when I, when I was going to work out what I was going to lift, what percentages of lifting I was going to do, like what was my, 
I was doing something called prehab, which is basically like your pregame <laughs> stretch. It was like dynamic stretching and that type of stuff beforehand. And then my post as well. So like a lot of that stuff was just making sure it, it's much more obvious in sports, right? Cause it's like the optimal physical like place you can be, but it's the same thing in any other thing in life. Like, even if it's not physical, like you still have a body, so you still are a physical being. And if it's in bad shape, you are going to perform poorly. Your mind's going to be slower. Like you're not going to be as quick, like on the, on the rebuttals or the, or the objections, like mm-hmm. you're going to go in, in a bad mood. You're going to be in a bad headspace, and it's all going to manifest in just negative energy and, and negative everything. And so knowing that, and like, I'm totally guilty first of all, of not doing this all the time, especially now, because I'm like, you know, physical when it's not blatantly physical, it's a little bit harder for me to make sure I'm quote unquote healthy. It's like, oh, I'll forget to eat lunch or I'll like just chug a bunch of coffee. I'll be jittery and I'll have like a headache. And I'll be like, I don't, I don't deserve to eat until I finish this goddamn thing when I really should just take 15 minutes to go eat, yep. re- recover a little bit and then go finish what I was doing. I get stubborn about that type of stuff, but it's all the same. So like, if I don't, I'm that, I was that person, like if I didn't work out, I was just depressed and angry and like pissy and dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing. It's like, if I go work out, I got, I have to go sweat. I have to go like push myself elsewhere so that I can like chill when I sit back in this chair. Otherwise, like I then feel like I even left more on the table if I don't go take a little time to do that. So the physical thing is like hyper important for me. That's why like even hitting golf balls is, it's just because my mind is now trained on something more physical, something like I can hyper-focus on that isn't of any importance at all. And I can like tap into that. So the Peloton is great because like that shit is a grind. Like if you want to push yourself, you can do it in 10 minutes. You can do it in an hour, mm-hmm. like whatever you want. The reason I like the Peloton is like, I know I can burn a lot of calories. I know I can just like grind. Is it the competition too? The competition helps. Like I don't really compete against other people unless I get, you know, I get that direct call out, which yeah. happen. <laughs> um, but it's like my own, like I, I want to, because I know people are going to look at my numbers. I'm like, I better have some good numbers on there. If people are going to go yeah. on there and then try to call me out on Instagram for my Peloton, num- you know, my Peloton numbers. Um, so I do feel a little bit of that, but I also like, I just want to keep getting better on it. Cause I secretly want to be a Peloton instructor one day. <laughs> <laughs> I want these thighs <laughs> on camera. Um, but it just, it all funnels into like, how will I as a human being perform optimally? And if I don't work out, if I don't do something physical, I just, I'm just worse. I'm just worse. Yeah. And too many times I spend my day being worse, you know, and I, and I don't get it done. And I, I'm not as regimented. I go through these streaks, especially because of COVID, like it's always easier to go to the gym. Like once you're in the gym, I'm like, let's, let's, let's throw it around a little bit. There's sure. people here. Like, you know, in your mind, like everyone's watching, even though no one gives a shit. <laughs> no like, one cares at all. <laughs> I'll throw that. Oh, there's a honey over there. Let me throw an extra five on this bad boy. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Um, but you know, now it's like, how disciplined can you be? How like much can you push yourself and then get back into the, the things that are important? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the things that you put more importance on, like for instance, for me, it's writing for me, it's creating content. That's like what I need to do, but I also do need to be physical. And so is that the why that pushes you to go work out is, is to be in, in the shape to be a great creator so you can go on and do the things you want to do with the TV shows and things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, like you just hear all the, like, there's so many cliches out there and the people like the way they say, say it's like, Oh, like CEOs, they read 50 books a year and they like, they, they, they wake up early and they go to bed on like at this time, like there's all this shit. And it's like, I hate hearing it. 
and I know it's right. Like I know it's true. It's like, if I want to be really good writer, I should read a lot more than I do. Yep. You know, like I want to be as healthy as I possibly can so I can perform because at, at the higher level and the higher you go up, like the margin of difference between you and the next person is like that one little thing you do differently. Yep. Ask them like when I was playing professionally, like baseball, everybody was like within the same percent of each other in terms of like, once you get that level, it's like the top 1% of players in the country. But the people who were the 1% of the 1% were doing something slightly different, something that differentiated them. Like any of us could go play like a rec league game and be just an absolute dominant force. But in against yeah. each other, it's like who is putting in that little extra, doing that little extra piece. And so, you know, as you rise the ranks in sales and business, comedy, whatever it is, like what's going differentiate, to differentiate you as you get up there is going to be those like little pieces of process that you have and being consistent with those pieces of pro- that, that process. What do you feel like that extra 1% is for you? Well, <laughs> I know we talked about it as like a bad thing, but for me, it's like, it's not turning it off. It's like pushing through the pain. Like okay. it is, is it is like, and how do you, know, and how do you know when that's bad or that's good? Honestly, like at times I don't, at times okay. I don't, I just like, I have to have just some faith that this is just like part of it. Like you're going to have the days where it is good and you're going to have the days where it is bad. And it's like, you know, if I didn't work out that day, I'm like, I know I left something on the table because maybe I'd be feeling better right now if I just had taken a half hour that I had. Yep. To work out. And so I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer, mm-hmm. even though somewhere in my soul, like that's the best way I would tell you is like, I know in my soul, I know like in my gut, whether like I'm pushing through something in like a futile way that I shouldn't be, I should go reset versus like, this is part of the like hurts so good. I know this is, this is, this is the good grind here. It's hard to tell. I, I, so I, I resonate with that. And to give everyone context, I think it's all based on your intuition and self. And I, I truly, you know, I truly believe that as you're pushing through and you're doing certain things that it's a test in life to be like, okay, like this is not fun at all, but I'm going to take the extra step there. I think Goggins has a really good book, really good audio on this. I've never read it, never listened to it, but I know that David Goggins has an incredible book on, on this concept on basically we can tell our bodies like, ah, whatever, but our minds, right? Our minds are what control it, right? Our mind can be like, no, let's keep going. Let's keep doing it. And there obviously is a healthy amount and everyone is different, but sometimes you have to push through, right? To figure out what's that extra nugget? What's that extra thing that I need to go get? And so really, I guess the last question I have on the physical, then we'll go to the video games piece is when it comes to the physical part, you said you want to have a process, which is like the main thing. And like, there's like layers here on the physical aspect. So what is a typical workout week? Are you doing like Monday, Wednesday, Saturday? Are you doing walking now, like in your apartment, your house, because you can't go in the gym, like for people out there that are like, can't go to a gym right now, like what what would you suggest to them? Yeah. I mean, my, my process now. So I, I love programs okay. because I'm like, okay, if it's laid out for me, I used to use this app called body space, which was honestly a dope app, even though the name is really dumb. Um, <laughs> but it was like, I have a three month program and I knew it was going to be, I could pick a four day a week, five day a week. And after I did that for three months, like I did, I did the same program probably like four or five times. Like I knew I was going to be yoked at the end of, of that program if I just did it. Um, and so, but now like, I obviously don't have that luxury. So I'm doing kind of two programs on the Peloton, one is 
uh, like a Tabata for three or four times a week. Mm. And the other one is a strength training one. That's like three or four times a week. And I just alternate days with one day off at some point. If I do three days in a row, I take one day off. Mm. Um, just so I have like a little variety. Cause I'm sick of just riding the bike and I don't have enough weights in my house. Like I have some 25s and some forties and like some twelves <laughs> and it's like, I can make those work, but like, I know I'm not going to get the same results as if I'm in a gym, being able to do like yep. lat pull downs and all the ranges of like bicep curls and shoulder presses and stuff like that. But it's I can limiting. make it work. It's very limiting, but I can make it work because at this point for me, it's not about like looking jacked. It's about just feeling better. Um, and so like, that's it. Um, and just sticking, just sticking to that. Cool. So I go, I think everybody's just got to figure out their own thing. I used to like, I, I'm very superstitious. And so I, I would say things like in my head, like I'm on, I'm at the end of a ride. I'm like, dude, if you, if you get past this thing, like you, the big breaks coming, if you get past this, the big breaks coming. or I'd have like little hoops in my room and I'd shoot. I'm like, all right, if I hit this last shot, like I'm going to the major leagues. Shit. I missed it. All right. This is the real one. If I hit this one, like I'm going to the major leagues, I'd do that again. But like, that's how I kind of do it with physical stuff. Now mm. I'm like, if you want to, if you're going to make this happen, like you got to somewhere in the universe, you're manifesting something positive as a result of it. And that's what I would just, that's kind of like how I would just convince myself it's dumb, but it like, <laughs> but it like works as a very superstitious guy. Like it works for me. I'm the same way. I wear certain stance socks for certain events. So <laughs> no, stance are great socks. So Shout yeah, to stance. <laughs> yeah, shot stance, not sponsored, but we should be. Should be, should be at one point. We're coming in hot for you, stance. So video games, right? Man, if y'all listen, if y'all listen to y'all know I'm a huge proponent of video games. Ross and I were just talking about it. I got a PS5. My girlfriend's the GOAT. That's, pr- I mean, she pretty much is. Like, she found it. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> she she SCR'd you better got than a me. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> she SCR'd better than I've me. I've been on the hunt for a year, feels like. <laughs> I Seriously. At least six or seven months. Seriously, man. So when it comes to video games, how does video games enhance your creativity as a creator and help with the content with Corporate Bro? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I grew up a gamer, like a hardcore gamer. I've had every mm-hmm. single console under the sun, like except Atari, because <laughs> I think that was just slightly <laughs> before my time. But I was yep. like deep. And I still and I still am. I don't play as much as I would like to. I used to like play pretty competitively. But there's something about video games <laughs> helped me a lot, like in terms of my hand-eye coordination. I'll say that. Like my mom was like, this will never be good for you. And then I started working at a company that was like doing cognitive training for athletics. And we found that anybody who's played video games is just like a naturally better athlete because their eyes are forced to move and pick up and track and do a bunch of these things. And you're forced to make decisions a lot quicker. So yep. like in a lot of ways, if you're playing these fast-paced games, there is like a mental awakening that can happen by doing those things. I'm not telling you if you do it for five hours, you're very um, diminishing returns. But if you did it for 10 minutes as like a, a warm up, could be a great thing. Video games are also like, God, there's so many different genres, right? But like these single player games now are beautiful stories. Like they're just well written. They're like, they're becoming blockbuster films. Um, I think that's the future of entertainment probably is told through video games and you play through the stories and so forth. But there's also like, there's a whole culture around video games. There's a whole like pop culture around video games that has helped me in terms of like being able to appeal to a lot of different folks in, in, in my content. Like sometimes I'll like sneak in references to like Warzone or like Halo or something yep. the same way I sneak in references to like fucking these action figures I used to build called Warhammers. It's like, or magic, the gathering, like magic cards. Like these, they're all like these little cultural icons and pieces of like who I am as a person that I think like 
resonate with a lot of different people. It's like, if you were a millennial, like you probably played magic cards, you collected some Pokemon cards or you fucking played pogs like back in the day, like video games are the same thing. Like you go, you there, there is as meaningful as a, as a, like I said, a blockbuster film or, or some sort of, they take me back to pieces of my life from before and they are a great escape. I, I do more and more have moments where, you know, it goes back to like, shit, I'm playing a video game right now. Should I be doing something that's actually like positively pushing me forward? I'm like, no, dude, this is doing that. You need to just like not be, this is like the whole point. You're playing this right now to not think about that. Yep. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of like issues like people might have around video games, but it's only been good for me. It's like, I've been a major part of my life. So it's probably been the most beneficial thing it's interesting. I was talking to a friend two days ago and I was like, yeah, there was a, there was a time where I think it was like for five years, I didn't play games. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was like, just really focus on my career and just not do it because I was like, I need to just really lock down. Now I probably, I play a lot of games. So people are like, Oh, you got the PS five now. So you're just, you're going to play all the time. I'm like, yeah, I haven't played for five years. <laughs> yeah. And then I started yeah. playing again in 2019, you know, I didn't play for a while. So of course this is going to do, cause that's like what I do to get that release. Like you said, I think everyone here needs to figure out what your release is, whether it's games or whatever, but you got to have that release. Cause then if you don't have it, you're going to be in a really bad spot. And so I want to go to what you mentioned. I mean, you mentioned a couple things. Like I want to dive into like the Warhammer and the Magic Gathering, but I want to talk about the single single player games and the story. And you said you're very fascinated by the story. Obviously, from the processes that you've mentioned across the things that you do in multiple areas of your life, do you get inspiration from those stories? And can you tell us a game that you really like their single player story? Yeah. I mean, like direct application of like stories, you know, most of the stories that I play, like, you know, there's not really a, a comedy video game that I can like think of like South Park was, bad, <laughs> I guess. Um, but I didn't get like a ton of inspiration from the game versus like the show, which I got plenty yep. of inspiration from. Um, Last of Us 2 was one of the better told stories that I've played through. Um, like, ocarina of time way back like that game i oh, still gee. listen to the music i like listen to video game music as part of like when i'm writing um and those stories like just there's nostalgia in those stories they're just like i got done playing last of us too and i was like god damn it that was beautiful <laughs> like like yeah. i got like emotionally invested into it um you know it's it is like a good book um even though I would tell you probably reading might be a little bit better for you. I, I have no proof about that, but something about it makes me think so. Maybe killing zombies is less, you know, <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> beneficial. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's just like anytime you put yourselves in like other stories in like other good writing or other good experiences, it can only add to like your, the bank of, of the way you think. Yeah. You know? And so I know I've been affected positively by video games and just the way the stories go. I don't have one where I've necessarily like directly translated a video game into a piece of content. Okay. Um, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't like, I could read a bunch of different books. You know, I could read like art of war and I probably won't get like a, 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 a video from it, but I will probably be better for it. And therefore more like worldly that may pull something else out of me that becomes a video. Subconsciously. Video. Yeah. Subconsciously. Yeah. Like I know it's net positive. You know, so yeah, I mean, that's what I would say about those single player games. It's, it's harder and harder to, to do those 
now. I mean, I, I guess I enjoy Ghost of Tsushima. Great story too. That was incredible. Um, really great game. Beautiful game. They killed um, it on that one. They did. And like, you know, I, I appreciate those games now where I want to play something that's like very chill. I can play at the speed I want to play and just kind of like mm. enjoy the art that is a video game versus like Call of Duty where I'm just like, fucking kill him. Fuck him. <laughs> where the go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. I'm cracked. I'm cracked. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, which are fun. great communication games. Good for your communication. <laughs> speed communication. Yeah. Communication definitely is going to elevate. And also it's just part of the culture too. Like, you know, Warzone has been a part of the culture for a while and I do agree with you. I mean, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, like OG, N64. Even, I mean, I would say the N64 games probably have the best stories. Super Mario 64. I was going to say like, Mario 64, yeah. Th- like there's uh, Banjo-Kazooie, right? Donkey Kong 64. Even like I, Goldeneye, like, you know, it's the movie, but still like the play, like the single player was sick. You just slapped. Like it was crazy good in the stories and they've only have evolved from there and i remember a recent one i don't know if you played this one detroit become human Mm -mm. like i played it like easily eight hours straight my friends were like my mom was like yo where are you like i'm in this game right now like i got so emotionally invested yeah it's like i was so invested in this story i like was emotional at the end i was like it's over i was like what's going on and like that is what makes a great game, but also at the same time, that's what makes great content. And, and it goes back to the process that you talked about and the feelings that you had. Like I felt something hardcore throughout that game. So, uh, and speaking of games, right, you've been a hardcore gamer for a while. Uh, so I got two questions. The first one is what are your top five games? Hard question, but what are the top ever? five? Yeah, ever. So this is hard. Ooh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just like put Halo there because it's obviously there. Um, Man, I was going to go back to Goldeneye just because I think of all the nights growing up eating pizza and like Cinesticks from Domino's, <laughs> just playing like Prox Mines on Temple for hours. Um, games of all time. I mean, Warcraft 3 was the one I played the most competitively. I mean, the whole Warcraft like franchise. I You played competitively? Yeah, I buried hours into Warcraft 3. I played in like tournaments and stuff. And um, you don't get a lot of RTL real-time strategy games anymore. They're not as profitable as like these MOBA games like Dota. And yeah, the MOBAs. League Heroes of New Earth and all that stuff. Yeah, League of Legends. Um, best games ever. Yeah, so I got... Oof. I, I'm going to put Last of Us up there because it's like recent for me. And I just like got so deep. And just like I love that HBO picked it up as like a series. Um, five, huh? I mean, like Super Smash just like... Was just yeah, like a, an era, OG. yeah. Um, oh, one more video game. I, I'm I'm putting Warcraft as one, just all of them from WoW to Warcraft one to WoW. Those Blizzard games were fire. Um, I'm not going to give Call of Duty this. I don't want to give them this because they piss me off. They, it's like they're like a necessary evil in some ways. Like they scratch a certain itch, but like, I I, like, as far as appreciation of a game and like, they just keep making the same goddamn game over and over again and making me pay $60 for it. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to invest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I think I got to stick with four. I'm sure I'm just, I've played so many games and it's like, I'm having a hard time recalling them. Yeah. Now at this point, throw, throw some out there. You see, so I'll, I'll give you I'll give you mine I'll go on mine. So number one is Halo Two. So yeah. you mentioned competitively. That's what I played competitively. So like that's just 
that's what got me into like online play, got me into team communications. It's funny because most people would never guess this, but I talked just trash to everybody. (laughs) You were that guy. I was like that guy on Halo 2 talking just mad trash. Never would have seen that from me, but I was just talking trash. Dude, you don't even know my mom, dude. You never did that to her. (laughs) You don't even know her. Just talking trash. So number two is Star Wars Knights of the Other Republic. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That, That to me... They just messed up and not did three, but like that whole RPG franchise is just nuts. So for me, that that was crazy. I've got to put, I guess you could put them there, but like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, like I got to put, I, I like Majora's, I personally like Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. That's the hot take. People yeah, that can, is a hot take. I'm it's a hot, it's, it's, it's a hot take, but that just them together, like I'm going to put that as a whole package there. Yeah, I'll put Ocarina as my fifth for sure. I don't know how I talked about it for like 10 minutes earlier and then didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's, it's Especially just, when I listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, you listen to the soundtrack. Uh, it's it's just, it's legendary, man. It's just a, it's just a fantastic game. The The other ones, it, this is where it gets, this is where it gets tough for me because I have to think about RPGs or am I thinking MOBA? I would like to put League, but League no. is so toxic. It's so toxic. It's cancer, dude. League it's so cancer. toxic. So I can't even, even do it. Cancer. But I love playing it, but it also was toxic. So it's like, I, I can't. That's how I feel about Warzone too. <laughs> it's like, it's just so toxic. It's like, I can't even deal with this right now. Uh, I'm going to, I got to go with, I got to go with Bathsheba because they just, they just go hard. I got to go with the Elder Scrolls, but I'm going to go with Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, which is most people don't, have never played it. Did you Never like which? Did you like Skyrim or Witcher or um, did you Ooh. play like the Final Fantasies back back in the day? I did play the Final Fantasies. I did play Witcher and I have played Skyrim. I have played Oblivion, and I like all of them. But they're not. I guess Witcher could be in the top five though. It's it's up there. Witcher's, Witcher's really good. Yeah. It's great. It's great. I would say I got. I gotta say Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. It's just the true essence of an RPG. Like no map. No fast travel. Yeah. No tips. Yeah. Just a <laughs> good lot luck. Of good luck. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like on the it. guides online constantly <laughs> trying to figure out where the hell you're going. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna put I'm gonna put five Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I didn't play. Didn't play it. Kingdom Hearts. I mean, the mix of fi- so you mentioned Final Fantasy. The mix of Final Fantasy and Disney, that is crazy. Interesting. I didn't touch it, so I have no idea. It's crazy. It, it, and the thing is, when I even say when I'm crazy, like, it gets even more complicated, the story. But, like, the first game was like, whoa, what is this? So I got a lot of RPGs. But I, I like you. I'm a single-player RPG person. Like, multiplayer, I only play if, like, like a Gears of War, Halo 2. I haven't really found that game that, like... Like like this again, but like the Halo twos and the Gears of War, I think was a is like a peak status of multiplayer for for um, in my opinion. It definitely was. Like my you know, opinion. even playing like Destiny now, it just like doesn't compete with the no. Halos. No, like they wanted it to be, and it just isn't. They're just they're not. <laughs> they're not. So I mean, so I mean, gaming, y'all, y'all clearly we like games. We'll have a we gotta have like a whole another episode on games in itself. Yeah, I know. We just gotta oh. go on Twitch and start playing some shit. We do, we do, and so. I'm going to ask the last question on, on on a gaming piece, and then we're going to move to like the final stages of this interview here. So one thing you you said is you 
the culture of gaming and you use it to appeal to people. And I've definitely seen certain references. Uh, I think you did one. I think you did a video around, I think it was a sales wizard. If I believe, uh-huh. yeah, yep, 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 yep. So like that sales RPG. That, yeah, you, you said that's sales craft. Sales craft. That's what it's called. Like, I couldn't remember the name of my own goddamn video. <laughs> sales craft. Yeah. That was awesome. So you mentioned playing competitively. When you were playing competitively, how have those traits, how have the that teamwork like relayed to like the team you have now with like corporate bro? Because not just you, it's other people. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, and then you could even mention a little bit about like how you maybe might want to get back into that at some point, but be curious to hear your feedback. Yeah. I mean, I thought about esports world and been like, if I could just put a bunch of money into one like thing, it would just be esports. Um if it were if it were so easy. Um yeah, so like playing Warcraft 3, you know, like you you're always just like trying to counter. You're just like trying to counter. Mm-hmm. It's all like what like what is the other person doing? I'm trying to counter and how quickly can you like respond and counter? Um you know I, I think I th- it's hard to say it's like a direct comparison to like managing, like working on a team now um, just because that's so quick and an individual game can be over in like 15 minutes Yeah. versus like, it's a longer, the real life thing is a much longer game. Sure. Um, but it certainly helped me get quicker decision speeds and like just be able to also multitask in a massive way. Oh, yeah. which then goes back to like the cognitive, like training of like, I need to uh, launch my attack, but at the same time, like manage my base here and be able to like cross back and forth while I'm dealing with a bunch of shit over here. Um, so in that regard, like I have to do a lot of context squ- switching in my life, whether it's like one meeting is, you know, a podcast with you. And then the next meeting yep. is going to be like a, a bravado, like war room discussion. And then the next one will be like with a completely different company talking about their, you know, sales strategies. Yeah. So like being able to go back and forth and hold those and hold the information that I need from like the place I left off has definitely helped me a ton. Um, in terms of communication, it's, I just, I, there isn't a necessity of the same level of speed that you need in like a video game to translate to real life. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I could honestly say that like it's helped me in that regard, but it certainly has helped me like hold information better and be a little bit more, if I need to be under the gun, like that I can hold, yeah. hold a little bit more. It's a, it's a very accurate statement in terms of task switching. Like, you know, I'll do a podcast, you know, like we're doing right now. Then I might have to hop to a sales training. Then I might have to do a sales call. Then I might have to meet with a partner, right? Then I might have to talk to my friend. Like, those are all different mindsets and also a different person sometimes as well. Because, like, me talking to my friends, like, you know, you have the corporate bro. Like, I have Morgan J. Ingram. So, like, yep. people expect me to come on and be hype and excited. But I'm actually... <laughs> very chill when i'm around my friends i'm I'm just like actually like very like low-key sometimes i'm actually like not all that hype every single moment and which is like which is interesting and you and you've you've mentioned that uh you're also the same way like you're not that extrovert extra all the time right right you have your moments you're like no i'm just actually just chilling and it's and i think a lot of people probably don't know that but the tax switch is is really interesting because like in halo 2 it literally was like you're sniping, but then the literally the task switch is like you have a rifle and now you're shooting someone in front of you. Like the the task switch of like I'm sniping someone, I have to be patient to like now I got to be quick because now I'm doing hand to hand combat. Right. Like that is p- 
pretty much how I feel when I'm switching towards when I'm switching calls on different things. Cause it's like, okay, I gotta focus, I gotta like, I'm selling, I gotta run a sales process. Now, right, I'm, I'm on a training, so like I actually gotta run it differently. Now right? Barrows so is like, in your face and you're freaking hand-to-hand <laughs> -hand combat. Yeah, yeah. Barrows is like, what's wrong with this pipeline? I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I was just killing someone with a sniper rifle. <laughs> yeah, you might need to refresh the tab that you got there. <laughs> yeah. I just added it some in, right? But but that's that's a real thing man it's it's all about the task switching knowing how to do it and i think video games is a big piece of that and you know i'm an absolute fan of video games for a lot of those reasons but i, I that this video game piece like is we're gonna come back and have a whole video game talk so y'all hear that but i want to wrap this up and be mindful of time here and uh, one question before i ask you the final question i ask everyone is you know right now we we live in uh, unfortunately a cancel culture yeah and tensions are high at every single moment. Sensitivity is high at every single moment. So do you feel like at times that you cross the line when it comes to certain tensions with corporate bro that you maybe wouldn't do at Ross? And like, how does that make you feel in this cancel culture? Yeah. Uh, do I cross the line? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> if you're asking me, yeah. I straddle it pretty hard every now and then I'll dip my toes into crossing the line. You know, I tend to cross the line more with like language. And when I do, it tends to be more towards myself yeah. than anyone else. Um, I definitely try to push boundaries a little bit, but like, I know if I'm walking the edge, which I should be trying to do constantly that I will fall off on the wrong side every now and then. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like, like, I'll, I'll give you a, a good example. It's pretty gnarly. Like, and to hear it now is like pretty cringe. Um, but like, I, I, we talked about South Park. Like I took the model from South Park. It's like, whatever's happening in the real world. Like, what if I take it and just apply it to one of my sketches and just like make it that version. So yep. let's go all the way back to the cap, uh, kneeling. Right. And like bringing awareness to like police brutality. And like, this is like pre 2020, like yep. movement. And so I was like, what would South Park do? Oh, South Park would like make the kids kneel for some bullshit and like create this hilarious episode. So I made it like the sales team was going to kneel to bring awareness to compensation plan unfairness. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I, I dropped that episode and it like did really well the first time. Um, and then like a year later, you know, as I sometimes do, I'll repost something and I like reposted it and I just made an absolutely dumbass mistake. Well, a for posting it again, but yeah. B for doing it in February. And yeah, the wrong I got, month. yeah, the one month, <laughs> the, the wrong month, the wrong month. And I mean, in general, it probably wasn't the right thing to post at all at like, given where we were as times change. Um, like it was simply the act of kneeling. Like there was no other context to anything else outside of that. It was just kind of like, it was relevant. The kneeling concept was relevant mm -hmm. and I got absolutely eviscerated and rightfully so. And so, you know, that was one of the times I was like, like that I just like fucked up. Cause like, I'm usually pretty, I'm yeah. like very conscious about this. Like I'm analyzing it from every direction. Yeah, so you've been intentional. You've been analyzing. I've been intentional. And this was one of those times where I was just like, I don't know if I rushed or like what was what I was thinking. Was like I didn't have content that day and I put it out. I got destroyed. Rightfully so. That would be one of the times where I fell over the wrong side and like the wrong time. And one of the issues, so I take that to cancel culture, meaning like someone yeah. could go back on me and go find that from like a time where in the context of the time period, it actually was like 
not that big of a deal. Like people were mm. making fun of a lot of different things that like you can pick, go to South Park and go look at what they, well, they're cartoons, like they've earned the right. I don't know. When do you earn the right? I don't know. But for example, people going back in other people's Twitters and like finding something they said and like now let's cancel yeah. Kevin Hart getting canceled for some of the shit he's I'm like, dude's a comic. Like that's one of the things is like people no longer assume best intent. And even when they do, like they still attack for like, yeah, this person's a piece of shit. But it's like if we could go through everybody's social media and go find who we were 15 years ago and what was like okay versus now, we've all done shit. We're like, oh fuck, like no yeah, way. that wasn't tight. Like <laughs> nowadays, that's not tight. Like all of the like friggin' anchorman, old school, like all the Will Ferrell hits, like in that oh. era of comedy, that was like a golden age of comedy. Go yep. watch that shit again. I dare you to not be like, oh, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. You can't do that shit anymore. But it's like it's still representative of a time to me it's more of an art and like a commentary on what was happening not like the person being like this person's racist or sexist or like misogynistic mm. whatever it is and so i do think especially because the last like year four years we'll say politically people have just swung to one side or the other and so the pendulum is going to come back down and go the whole opposite direction and i'm like i'm really hopeful for the next four years that like the news can keep the pendulum in the middle so we can all just be a little bit less assholes mm -hmm. and like, let's turn off the cancel thing, but let's like also not be a racist piece of shit, you know, yeah. and find that happy medium where we can make fun of like the reality. Like that's what happens. It's like a lot of times when you make fun of reality now, people are like, you're a piece of shit. It's like, it's a commentary on the reality of what's happening right now. Context. Context. And so people want to take it the way they want to take it. And that's one of the things I found is hard. So, you know, if you look at the body of my content, it's not really crossing too many lines. I try to keep it in the world of like mm -hmm. business and so forth, but like, you know, I've missed before and like, I've learned my lesson and I will probably still miss again at some point, you know, like people want to read the things they want to read. And like, it sucks for comedy. It sucks for like people whose job it is to like call these things out and like mm. make fun of it. It's like, that's never funny. It's like, well, except like honestly right now, it's like, that's, that was kind of funny the way they said that. Like, don't go watch a comedy show. Like it's why Chappelle won't go to, college campuses like they'll get like booed off stage for the shit he says but like <laughs> dude's like the goat <laughs> like yeah you're just like missing the point if that's what you're trying to pull out of it so it's a really complicated thing it's like exceptionally hard now to like walk around but there are certain things like that just aren't funny right now but who's to say they won't be funny in like 10 years or like were yeah. funny 10 years ago like we it's really hard um doing good comedy now is like harder than ever. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Like in general, it's a good thing. I think it weeds people it, out. Well, it weeds people out, but it just forces people to be better, to be yeah. more intelligent, to like stop going for the lowest common denominator, like stop going for gender and like race and like shock factor and be smart. Like you can do those things in like, in my opinion, and this is a hot take tasteful ways. You can like make fun of gender and like race and it can be done well. But if you're going to play that game, you better make damn well sure you're doing it well. Yeah. Because a miss is potentially fatal. Yeah. Right. So like that's, that's, that is what the game you're playing when you're talking about that stuff. And so it's dangerous. It's dangerous for sure. Um, I would love to be a little bit more edgy. I would love to say a few more words than I, than I say generally, but like, I think where I'm at is pretty good, you know? but I still want to make sure I'm pushing it. I want to still make sure I'm trying to elevate what I'm doing. And that's just the reality is I'll miss at some point. I think when you're, I mean, it goes back to what you talked about originally, right? The growing pains and elevating, like there are those opportunities to miss. And you, you said it like 
this art it's happening people will take things out of context all the time context is literally everything like if someone said something five years ago and they want to bring up now and it's like okay five years ago i was in a different state of mind like what i was saying there like right five years ago that person a, laughed at that yeah and they wouldn't, they wouldn't admit that because they didn't <laughs> go ha 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 lol on facebook so we yeah it, you know yeah it's it's crazy man so no i i think you know pushing the envelope and, and finding the ways to do it and yes like that's a, a an incredible point is that you have to be smart about it Right. You can't be like, oh, like, let's just see what happens. Like, no, like run it by your people, run it by your team. Like, does this even make sense? Be mindful of it, because one thing can knock you out and it has happened to other people. So I think that's an important point. So as we wrap up here, Ross, the last question that we ask people is what is the best piece of advice that you've received recently? Best piece of advice I've received recently. Um, <laughs> I was like, I got the worst. Um <laughs> The best piece of advice I've, <laughs> well, this isn't like advice. It's more of like just the truth is like, nobody, nobody gives a shit more than you. Mm -hmm. Like we're all ego. All of us are all ego. And like, so often we're paralyzed by what other people will think are going to do. But the truth of the matter is, as fucked up as it is, no one gives a fuck about you. Like your mom loves you. Like your friends <laughs> think you're cool. Yeah. But like, if you make some sort of decision to like, go do something risky. And I'm not saying like make a, make an offensive joke. I'm saying more like, right. Not, not what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> not what we were talking about earlier. I mean, just like take a risk, like go do so, go do what you want to do. Go like be what you want to be. And you're like scared to go do that. Cause you think other people like are going to care. They're not, they do not give a shit the same way. Like I have to tell myself over every one of my videos, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get fucking ruined. Cause this one's not going to be as good as the other ones. It's like, dude, people will give you max one minute and they will move on with their life because that's mm -hmm. all they care about is themselves. And it's morbid, but it's true. Like people are way more concerned with what's going on in their dome than what's happening out there and what you're doing. So that is like the, a big piece that has helped me just put things in perspective is like who, who really cares about what you're doing other than you? Who's making it bigger than you are? No one, no one is. So yeah. that's helped me a lot in like making decisions on whether to take a risk or do something out of the ordinary or like, whatever take a chance i love it yeah and it's shout out to i know you made fun of the video gary v i got gary v but but i mean he said something that i think everyone needs to pay attention to and it's exactly what ross saying is that you you no one knows 100 percent of your life yeah so it doesn't it doesn't like doesn't even matter if someone if you're thinking about all these new people they don't know yeah so they why are you even, why are you even worried about it? And also at the same point, yeah, like do what you got to do because people don't really care because they care about themselves. So speaking of themselves, Ross, any lasting thoughts, any shout outs you want to give? And also where can people find you? Well, hey, thank you for having me here. It's always, always love talking to you. Uh, we always have great conversations that feel really easy to, to have and they don't feel like scripted in any way. So like, I appreciate that because I do a lot of podcasts and sometimes it's just like Q&A and it feels weird. Um, if people want to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Corporate Bro or Ross Pomerantz. Uh, obviously, the big channel is Instagram, Corporate Bro, Corporate.Bro. You'll find me. I got verified. As Morgan mentioned, what up? Means I'm better than you. Not really. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's because I argue with the Barstool CEO. Um, you know, you can email me, Corporate at CorporateBro.com. Yes, that's a real email. And yes, I will answer. And then obviously, join if you're in sales, if you hold a quota of any sort, join, join the war room. It's going to be sick. We're building a lot of really cool stuff. And like, the community is absolutely buzzing right now. So it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then last piece, 
worst advice I got. My mom told me to uh, be myself. And I was like, mom, that is absolutely dog shit advice. And I wrote about this in business school. I was like, you need to be what you need to be. Like you're going to have to change who you are and depending on the situation, the context and all those things, be what you need to be. That's how you're going to get somewhere. Don't just be yourself every time because guess what? Some people don't like you and that's okay. So be what you need to be, be a chameleon. And um, the more you're able to do that, the further you're going to get. I love it. We'll end on that. Hey Ross, it was a pleasure having you and kicking us with this here and take this advice that Ross give. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nugs here. All right. A lot, a of, lot nugs. of nugs here that we dropped. Bowl, so, smoke them. Why not? <laughs> Light it up. So <laughs> as we end the podcast, as I always say, y'all one up and we'll see y'all next time.